Well, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Um, for using a pew Bible, you can find it on page 812. We continue our study of the words of Jesus and His teaching as it's found in the Sermon on the Mountain. Today we learn that there is a day of judgment coming for all people. Today we'll look at the words again of Jesus in Matthew 7. We'll be looking at uh, verses 21 through 23. We'll also look at a second passage. I'll invite you to kind of keep these two passages uh, marked in your Bibles. Perhaps stick a piece of paper in so that you can flip back and forth a bit as we'll do throughout this message. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 7 and also a portion of Matthew chapter 25. Um, Let's prepare to do that now. Let's turn our attention to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. The Lord Jesus speaks and says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then from Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31 through the end of the chapter. Again, the words of Jesus, the authoritative words of Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food, and I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your enduring word, your enduring truth. We thank you for enduring life, eternal life that you make available to 
to those who would cast themselves upon you in dependence, for those for whom you sent your son Jesus to die. Lord, instruct us rightly from your word today so that we can make sense of these passages, so that we can make sense of life. Lord, for our good, for our security, but then also so that we might be able also to speak truth into other people's lives as well. So that they too, as we have, might be able to find eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Instruct us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, I think it was three weeks ago we looked at a passage of Scripture beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 7 in which Jesus told us, do not judge. Then two weeks ago we looked at another passage beginning in verse 15 of chapter 7 that said that we should judge. We were told there that we need to be aware of false prophets. We needed to be discerning. We need to evaluate the teaching that we receive and look for the fruit of righteousness to accompany that teaching. So in this chapter, Jesus tells us to take care in how we judge, that we're not to judge too quickly or too harshly with the air of self-righteousness like the hypocrites do, he says in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 7, but still he says that we must judge in verses 15 through 20. And then today we learn that all will be judged, that we too will be judged. Now what can we learn about this coming judgment from these two passages that we just read from Matthew 7 and Matthew 25? Well, first we learn the obvious, and that is that there will be a judgment. And we learn from Matthew 25, 32, that that all nations, that all people groups, that all people will be judged. And you and I will be among those who are judged. Do we live aware of that fact? Do do you remember that as you go about your day? Do you remember that as you go about your life that there will be a day of reckoning that we all will face where we'll be judged for the the deeds that we do according to God's Word, including Revelation 20, 12, and 13, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10, which tells us that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So a day of judgment is coming for all. And Jesus Christ will be that judge. That's what Jesus declares in these two passages. We're we're told that also in other places in Scripture. In addition to that passage that I just read from 2 Corinthians 5, there are others including Acts 10.42 and 2 Timothy 4.1, which declare that Jesus has been appointed by the Father to be the judge of the living and the dead. And notice, if you will, in these two passages from Matthew 7 and from Matthew 25 about how Jesus speaks about his authority to make such judgments. 
Scripture is clear that God is the judge of mankind. But look at how Jesus speaks of himself and and of his authority to make these kind of judgments. And and even look at how he speaks of himself in, in Matthew 25. Look there. Matthew 25, verse 31. He speaks of the Son of Man who comes in glory with the angels with him. And he speaks of how this one will sit on his glorious throne in heaven. And he speaks of of how he has the ability and the righteous authority to bring all the nations together before him and to separate them one from another in the way that a shepherd separates the goats from the sheep. And then he speaks of this judge who is also the great king. He speaks of how this, this judge and king has the authority to make determinations in the past judgment and to even grant admission into heaven or to cast into hell. Then look back at Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 23. Jesus declares that He is the one who has that authority. Verse 23. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from Me. And that concept of Him declaring is Him making this this judgment. And when Jesus does judge... What are the words that we long to hear from him? Well, we long to hear him say the words of of Matthew 25, 21, and 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And we long to hear the words of Matthew 25, 34. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from, from the foundation of the world. But what are the words that Jesus says some will hear? Well, according to Jesus here, some will hear the most disheartening and the most discouraging words to ever be spoken in all of human history. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. Some will hear the words of Matthew 7, 23. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And passages like this should concern us. They should cause us to stop us in our tracks and to consider what is being said. To consider what will be the outcome for some? And especially as this passage from Matthew 7 says, for some who, who might think that they are among God's people. Do you see the, the shock in these passages when Jesus makes these declarations? They, they call Him Lord. They say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in Your name? Didn't we cast out demons in Your name and do mighty works in Your name? Now, why, why wouldn't that be acceptable? Why wouldn't that be sufficient for such people to be welcomed into the kingdom and into God's presence? Well, you see, it's possible to invoke the name of Jesus without truly belonging to him. We see that very clearly in this passage. 
Look at their response. Notice, notice that they argue with Christ's judgment, seeking to have their deeds be, be seen as justification for His approval and His acceptance. They say, but Lord, Lord, you're right. That's not a good judgment. Lord, we've done great deeds for you. But the humble, of ser- the humble servant of God says, Lord, you have done great things. And I marvel, Lord, that that you've shown your power by doing them even through using my weakness. Simply naming the name of Jesus isn't sufficient. It's It's not sufficient to do deeds in his name. And as we see here, it's also not even sufficient to simply call him Lord. But what is necessary according to these passages? Well, at least two things. According to verse 21 of chapter 7, we must do the will of our Father in heaven. And we must also be known by Jesus. We must do the will of God. We must obey Him. Yes, it, it, it may be true that, that some of the people whom Jesus cast away did certain things. But were those things necessarily the will of the Father? Or perhaps were they maybe doing what was of their own will, seeking to draw men into themselves, such as what Paul warns some will do in Acts 20, 30. What was missing evidently from these people's lives? Well, evidently, according to these passages, they weren't doers of the word, according to Jesus. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father. James says in James 1.22 that we must be doers of the Word. And in James 2, he says that, that faith without works is dead. Jesus says in, in John 14.15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And look at the words of Jesus that immediately follow these words, this passage that we read in Matthew 7. What follows this passage? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Doing the words of Christ and fulfilling the will of the Father are evidence of a true saving faith. Now, what steps can we take to not be surprised on Judgment Day, like Christ says of these people in these two passages who were surprised by the declaration of the Lord? Well, I'll commend to you that verse that that I've commended to you on several occasions over the course of the last month or so as we've been working our way through this portion of God's Word. And that's that verse from 2 Corinthians 13.5, where 
where Paul encourages us, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? You see, friends, there should be evidence of true saving faith in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. In our passage in Matthew 7.23, Jesus called the people workers of lawlessness. And rather than lawlessness in the life of someone who names the name of Jesus, there instead should be the fruit of righteousness. Philippians 1.9-11, Paul writes saying, It's my prayer that, that, you may, that love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be blameless for the day of Christ. That's referring to the day of his coming, to the day of his judgment. So that you would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, friends, there should be evidence in our lives of a current, ongoing, vibrant, submitted relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what might be some of those evidences that should be present in the life of a disciple of Jesus? Well, there should be the evidence of obedience. We've already made reference to this. Jesus says that we must do the will of the Father. He says that, that we must hear his words and do them in order that our lives would be like the wise man who's established his life upon the sure foundation that is Jesus Christ. There should be evidence of a true, intimate fellowship or, or knowledge of Jesus. And this isn't just a head knowledge. It is not sufficient to just know about Jesus. It's, it's not sufficient to say, oh, I trust that, that Jesus existed once, or I even trust that he's the eternal son of God. That's not sufficient because Scripture even says that the demons believe that. And surely the demons are not saved. We must have this personal knowledge, this personal trust, this personal confidence in Jesus. We must trust him with our lives. We must, we must trust him. You know, I can believe that Abraham Lincoln once lived, but Abraham Lincoln can't do anything for me today. Abraham Lincoln can't do anything for me ever in my life in the future. It was good that he once lived, and he did good then, he had impact then, but that does not do anything for me today. Trusting in Abraham Lincoln does not accomplish anything for me. But with Jesus, we place our trust in him. We entrust ourselves to him in dependence for our present, for our future. We, we see in these passages that, that we must know Christ and we must be known by Him. 
In John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Can that be rightly said of you? Are you presently following Jesus? Are you presently listening to his voice and following him? Are you presently being led by the Spirit of Christ, by His words, by He Himself. It's not sufficient to at one time in your life to have done that. It's not sufficient to have merely been baptized. It's not sufficient to have merely prayed a prayer of faith. It's not sufficient even to come before a church and to make membership vows and to profess faith in Jesus Christ. Because, friends, it's not the profession of faith that saves us, but it's the possession of faith that saves us. And it isn't good enough, it isn't sufficient for salvation to have had a season in one's life where we were serious in our relationship with the Lord. But we must walk with Him faithfully for a lifetime each and every day of our lives, trusting in Him, submitting to Him as our King each and every day. Is that a proper description of you? Is that how you live your lives now? What other types of evidence might there be to demonstrate true faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I'd suggest the the evidence of love for others. Jesus calls upon us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Neighbor love must be present in our lives. Think of Matthew 25 and what that says. That shows us what neighbor love looks like. When we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we visit those in prison, when we minister to the sick, when we minister to the lonely. That is showing love for God through showing love for others. As Jesus says, when you do this, it is as if you do it for me. And when you refuse to show love to others, you are refusing to show love to me. There should be the evidence of love for others in our lives. There should also be the evidence of disruption. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, think of the encounters of Jesus in the Gospels. You know, you won't find too many occasions where somebody interacts with Jesus and that person's life isn't rocked. Jesus brings grace to those who need grace. And he brings challenge to those who need to be challenged. He disrupts them so that he can bring healing. Is your life, is my life, marked as a life of disruption? A life where Jesus, through his spirit, routinely disrupts us. Where we may think that we have certain aspects of life 
figured out, that we've got it taken care of, that we can handle this on our own. But then Jesus shows us that we don't and we can't and we won't. He disrupts us. He doesn't leave us in our sin. Where, where maybe we've developed a hardness of heart towards the Lord or towards a person or, or whatever it may be. And rather than to leave us in that place of hardness of heart, the Lord confronts us and shows us our sinfulness, shows us our own personal ugliness and how we have been living, how we've been relating to others. And He doesn't let us stay in that place. Because he loves us too much to do so. And so he disrupts us yet again through his spirit working in our hearts. He doesn't let us remain in our sin. He doesn't let us remain in our rebellion. But he brings conviction of sin. And that disruption that Jesus brings, brings humility. It, it brings an undoing like that picture that we read about in our call to worship from Isaiah chapter 6. Where you see there Isaiah being undone as the Lord reveals his sinful condition. And then the Lord brings atonement for that. We see God's holiness and then we see our own sinfulness. And that leads us into repentance. And repentance isn't just a one-time thing. But the life of a Christian is a life of ongoing repentance. And again, repentance is yet another one of the evidences of a true, vibrant relationship with the Lord. The Lord leads us into repentance. He applies Hebrews 3 to us, where the writer of Hebrews tells us, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Psalm 51.17 tells us that the sacrifices that are pleasing to God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A heart of repentance, evidence of repentance, recognizes the truth, the truth of Isaiah 57.15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits Eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. We have the evidence of repentance, the evidence of humility in our lives. Another evidence of true saving faith in Jesus Christ is evidence of healing, an evidence of new life in Christ. We're able to say along with the hymn writer, I once was lost, but now am fine, found. I was blind, but now I see. We also should see the evidence of sanctification in our lives. We should see the evidence of growth in Christ-likeness. Sanctification is, is the process by which God enables us to die more and more to sin and to live more and more to righteousness. And we should see that present in our lives more and more as we walk with the Lord. As we continue to trust in Him. As the Holy Spirit continues to do His refining work in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, 
your sanctification. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 7? The one who will inherit eternal life, the one who will be received to the kingdom of heaven, will be the one who does the will of my Father. And God's word says the will of our Father is our sanctification, our growth in Christ-likeness. Strive for peace with everyone, we're told in Hebrews 12, 14, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Is your personal holiness an important matter to you? God's word says that it must be because there is a holiness without which we will not see the Lord. There there should also be evidence of faith in our lives, and I would suggest even a childlike faith, a faith that trusts readily, a faith that is continually growing in knowledge, continually learning, continuing to marvel at new discoveries. When was the last time you marveled? When was the last time I marveled about something about the Lord? about a new discovery that you made as you spent time with Him or in His Word. There should also be evidence of the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Romans 8 says that we are children of God. Friends, again, there should be evidence in our lives of true faith in Christ. Not just by our our deeds, but yet also by our deeds. James tells us that faith without works is dead. But as we saw in that passage from from chapter 7, it is possible to do works and not have saving faith. It is possible to name the name of Jesus, but not to, to really be known by him. But friends, I do want to encourage you that the follower of Jesus Christ, the follower of Jesus Christ need not fear the day of judgment. Not because of anything good or worthy in us, but because we have been reconciled to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. As Scripture says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And from 1 John 4, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Friends, we should be concerned about warning passages such as like we see today. And we should look for evidence in our life to see if there is good cause for us to believe that we are in the faith. And when we're not sure, when we don't see that, we need to repent of that. And we need to ask the Lord to grow us, to grow us into Christ-likeness, We need to ask the Lord to continue to capture our hearts, to continue to speak and give us ears and hearts willing to respond to him and to follow him. And we need to remember the cross. 
And the Lord reminds us of that in this meal that He's prepared for us today. Where in the broken bread and in the poured out cup, we see the body and blood of the Lord Jesus broken and given for us. Broken for sinners such as you and I. Who, if it were not for the covenantal faithfulness of God, we would be without a hope in this, for this life or the next. But in this meal, we see the promises of God. We see and we remember the words of Christ where He says, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in My blood, poured out for the remission of sins. This is My body given for you. Friends, pray with me. Lord Jesus, if you are not our hope, we have no hope. Lord, if you do not secure our salvation, we have no hope of salvation. Help us to look for and to see evidence, Lord, of an ongoing relationship with you. Lord, we acknowledge that it is not our doing that saves us, but it is what you have done on the cross and is what you have done in your victory over the grave. And it is what the Holy Spirit has done in our life through uniting us to Christ through faith, through his regenerating work. Lord, we confess that you are the righteous judge and that we deserve a guilty verdict because we have all sinned against you. We sin against you every day in thought, word, and deed. We rebel against you, King. But as we mentioned earlier in this service, you are a merciful God. You offer grace. And you are patient with us. And you delight to draw us back to yourself. Draw us near again, O Lord, we pray. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Lord, grow our, our heart, grow our love for you so that we would not leave. But, O oh, Jesus, how we thank you that you are the good shepherd who will leave the 99 to go off in search of the one who has wandered. Jesus, you are the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We thank you that you have gone out to find us, to rescue us. Lord, continue to subdue us. Continue to woo us to yourself, we pray. Hold us fast in your care, in your love, we pray. And then, Lord, may we have a faith that follows you faithfully for a lifetime. But, Lord, to do that, we need your help. We need your spirit to be made great in us. And, Lord, we need our brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to confront us when there is evidence of a lack of faith rather than evidence of faithfulness in our lives. Lord, may we... Continue to encourage one another to remain faithful to you, to repent and return to you.
May we give testimony of your kindness to one another. May we encourage one another always to walk with you, Lord, to trust in you. Lord, grow our faith in that way also through this meal that you provide to us. Take these common elements of bread and and juice and set them apart for your holy purposes so that our strength would be nourished, so, so that our faith would be nourished and strengthened, Lord. Take these common elements and set them apart for your holy purposes, we pray, Lord. May we receive this provision for sinners that you offer to us in the bread and in the cup and on the cross. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.